the IAB podcast from SNK Studios. Hello and welcome to this episode of the IAB UK podcast, brought to you with the help of our sponsor, Verizon Media. I'm James Chandler, Chief Marketing Officer at the IAB, and this week we're talking Brexit. After last week's series of amendments, votes and points of order in the Commons, we sit down with two of the best Brexit experts we could lay our hands on to get to the bottom of what's actually going on and what it all might mean for our industry. And there'll be even more fact-finding as we attempt to succinctly explain the inner workings of Programmatic Guaranteed in a handy two-minute explainer. Plus, George and Lucy from the IAB join me to reflect on our two days up at Sopwell House for this year's Leadership Summit, talking about all the highlights, takeaways and things we'll be doing differently as a result. And we venture into the depths of Adweek Europe's VIP Speaker Lounge to fire 10 awe-inspiring but seemingly needless questions at Microsoft's Raveline Beeston. So, whether you're listening to this as you dash between sessions at Adweek Europe or at your specially organised IAB UK podcast listening party, we hope that by the end of this episode, you'll feel up to speed on exactly what's happening in digital advertising this week. As the 29th of March deadline draws nearer, Brexit seemingly went into overdrive last week, with multiple amendments being put forward and voted on by MPs in the House of Commons. Aside from if and when Britain does actually leave the EU, there remains lots of uncertainty around issues relating to our industry, specifically the use of data, talent, investment and plenty more. To help make sense not just of last week's goings-on, but the full gamut of what Brexit could entail, I'm joined by Conrad Scheck, Strategic Policy Advisor for the Ad Association, and our very own IAB UK Podcast Hall of Famer, Christy dennehy Neal, the IAB's Head of Policy and Regulatory Affairs. A warm welcome to you both. Hi, James. Um, lots of Parliament TV streaming uh, being watched last week. So that's probably what your life is like anyway uh, yeah. uh, um, for the past uh, year and a half, uh, Conrad. Well, let, let's start with you. Talk us through what happened last week. There's loads that was going on, wasn't there? Yeah, I mean, there's an uh, extraordinary week. I mean, just going slightly before that, I mean, going back to the, the January vote where Theresa May lost by a huge margin, she was then forced to go back to the EU to negotiate a bit more on the Withdrawal Act or on the... Uh, legal assurances to get some legal binding assurances on uh, that the UK could unilaterally leave the the backstop. And then we kind of led into last week, which was basically the meaningful vote two, mm. where it was then kind of, I mean, the, the killer blow really was Attorney General looking at the advice through, through what he published was that he thought it reduced the risk of the UK being stuck in its backstop However, it didn't eliminate the risk altogether. And obviously that was a huge red flag for DUP and hardcore Brexiteers. It then went to the second vote, uh, which was then a motion about whether the UK would be happy to leave without a deal. That was defeated, just, and there was some kind of huge confusion about that. (laughs) Um, And then the third uh, motion, which was really about um, going back to the EU for asking for an extension, and that commanded a, a majority. So... Theresa May has been tasked with going back to the EU to get an extension. Um, and there's also talk of a third vote, so it could come through there, although the Speaker has temporarily kind of put stop that, basically to say that unless there's any kind of substantial changes to this document, uh, right. um, there won't be another vote. 
she couldn't bring it back as it has been in the first two guises. Well, it's kind of, I mean, if you, depending on how you look at it, has there been a massive change from, mm. say, the first vote to the second vote? Arguably not a huge amount. Um, but then to bring back exactly the same deal, no changes on there. Mm. Again, it's kind of, there's no real precedent for that. Uh, your take on it all, Christy? Um, yes, utterly confusing, clear as mud. <laughs> um, who knows what's going on? Um, it's... <laughs> It, we're in uncharted waters here. We've, mm. you know, nobody's done this before. No other EU country has done this before. So we, you know, the UK is trying to figure out how this works. And as we all know from the beginning, there's been an, a, a lack of consensus, uh, whether it's between parties or within parties, as to actually what what outcome they want. So, um, yeah, I, I think to some extent you might have predicted that we would have ended up here, you know, yeah. this close to the wire and we still don't really know what's happening. But obviously that's not good for anybody. It's not good for the for people in this country and yeah. it's not good for businesses either. And I saw I saw Kath Viner at Adweek this morning in an early start at Ronnie Scott's. Uh, she was saying she has a colleague who's been saying for the last two months that Theresa May will find a way of getting her deal through, whether that's right up to the wire or not. But um, so, I mean, mm. it's still all possible. Mm-hmm. Um Data in specific, uh, specifically, Conrad, I mean, you talk about lots of implications for our industry, but the data one is quite fascinating, isn't it? I guess because of what's wrapped up in the GDPR now and what could possibly happen, uh, whether we leave with or without a deal. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so the GDPR um, provides that framework for the free flow of personal data within the single market. Um, The UK, by leaving the the EU, will then be treated as a third country. Mm -hmm. Now, the EU has a a framework where it allows the flow of personal data to third countries under a a data adequacy decision. So the UK would have to apply in in that that process. That process takes a while. It's not something that could be done in days, even though the UK is technically GDPR compliant. Mm. The the issue is if the UK leaves the EU without a deal, say on the 29th of March, then potentially... Any data flowing out from the EU to the UK would be deemed as illegal right. without that decision mm. in place. The only way to have contingency to that is if individual organisations, companies have what they call like standard contractual clauses within their their contracts to safeguard the flow of personal data. Uh, and there's a, I mean, that's one way of being prepared, Christy, but I mean, there's a bunch of other ways that, I mean, you've written some stuff for the site, but uh, a whole host of things. Um, tell us what sort of things businesses can do to start preparing. So I would say you can go to the IAB website for a start. So go to iabuk.com forward slash Brexit, where we've got our Brexit hub. On there, we've published um, Brexit checklist and Brexit FAQs that explains in a bit more detail kind of what's going on, um, what the various uh, scenarios are. Um, the kind of things in your business that might be affected, including data, but mm. also other things like recruitment and, and such like. So I would say start there, have a look, and then make sure that you're talking to all the people in your business that need to know. Yeah. And make sure you've got contingency plans in place. So mm. we sort of know that we're either going to have a deal or we're not going to have a deal. <laughs> um, and then there are different things you need to do in those in those circumstances. Obviously, no deal means more contingency because we don't have the transition period that Conrad uh, referred to yeah. where everything would be kind of status quo and would give us about you know, a couple of years to, to kind of change over to the new systems and the new laws and, and such like. If we don't have that, then we've got a very different kind of cliff edge day one scenario if there's no deal so you need contingency plans in place 
um, around those kind of areas I mentioned um, specifically, if you do rely on data transfers and yeah. you need to be sure that you're still legally compliant um, post-Brexit as well. And, uh, you know, Brexit is dominating um, what's going on with policymakers, parliamentarians. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's probably <laughs> yes. uh, probably slightly under the radar, but otherwise would be huge. Um, talk to us about some of that stuff. Yeah, so surprisingly, the rest of government is actually managing to <laughs> carry on. And, and actually, it's one of the busiest times we've ever seen yeah. when it comes to policy and digital advertising at the moment. So only today, the government published a consultation on further advertising restrictions for products high in fats or sugar mm. uh, and the extent to which they can be advertised to children. We already have extremely strict uh, restrictions in the UK around that anyway, but as part of its obesity plan, the government has consulted on some further uh, proposals. Okay. We've also got the upcoming online harms white paper uh, that's coming, we don't know when, next couple of weeks. Uh, the media plan in uh, number 10 is all over the place, as you might imagine. So um, keep an eye out for that imminently. And then longer term, the Secretary of State for Digital, Jeremy Wright, announced a couple of weeks ago that his department would be setting up um, a kind of wider review yeah. of online advertising generally. So that's something else to look out for. <sighs> Uh, it's a, well, this is it. Uh, it's a mugs game, Conrad, but we do like a prediction on the IBUK podcast. Uh, if you had to tell us what's going to play out in the next two weeks, uh, what would you bet on? <laughs> I, I always uh, hesitate to give these bets. Uh, I'm very worried that you'll play back this uh, Yes, of course you will. <laughs> catch me on it. Um, I don't know. It's something I've always said from the beginning that an extension is highly likely. Mm. Um until Parliament actually comes to some kind of decision or consensus or the way forward, it's very difficult to actually then predict what will happen. But I think first to say is that uh, an extension, be it a short one or a longer one, is highly likely. Simply with the fact that at the moment, the UK needs to go through and pass all these various laws to make sure that we have a functioning statute book after we leave Brexit. And to my knowledge, we're only about just over halfway there. Right. There's other issues about signing um, EU tr- uh, trade continuity agreements with partners. Um, at the moment, there's about 40 deals that need to be signed. And my understanding of DIT with Liam Fox have only signed six so far. This is the uh, Papua New Guinea was the, was and, the last. And, Very uh, crucial one. <laughs> Andorra as Andorra, well. Andorra, so. Papua New Guinea, okay. Um, so there's a long way to get the UK um, ready for Brexit. Um, so that's an issue. But the longer extension we run into issues about does the uk get involved in, in the parliamentary elections yes the, the, the european parliamentary elections and i think that's an important that's something that cannot be escaped it's in the treaties and if the uk was not to take part in then potentially there'll be a legal mm. challenge to the constitution of the parliament and the the commission that comes back yeah to return on that so i think um <laughs> you know that's that's the most likely outcome. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be that difficult for the EU leaders to come to the decision and grant an extension. There may be conditions attached to the, that yeah. extension, but uh, that's as far as my crystal ball goes right now. It's not a bad crystal ball. Uh, and um, uh, there's no chance that any of these countries are going to veto anything which would set us kind of back a little bit because they all have to agree, don't they? Well, it, yeah, it needs um, a consensus. So everybody has to agree to that now there's there's all sorts of permutations there because that fundamentally the uk could also potentially revoke article 50 that's also yes. on the card even though Theresa may has ruled that out mm. um the issue also if the 
EU was to say no to an extension, then potentially the UK could accidentally walk off and, and have no deal. And I think the EU would not want to be in a position where fingers are then pointed that yeah. they could have stopped it, but they did. Got it. Wow. Uh, we could talk and talk, uh, but that's unfortunate we've got time for. Thank you so much once again, Conrad. Thank you, Christy, for joining us. My pleasure. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, James. Uh, and as Christy said, if you want more information on preparing your business for Brexit, details from our Brexit breakfast briefing, or simply want to scan through our FAQs, visit our hub at iabuk.com forward slash Brexit. Now it's time for Two Minutes On, the section of the podcast that highlights the IAB's commitment to making the complex simple. Every episode, we take one big, complicated or misunderstood issue and break it down into a bite-sized, easy-to-understand two-minute summary. And this week, it's the turn of Programmatic Guaranteed, or PG, as it's affectionately known. Here to explain exactly what it entails is Lee Briscoe, Programmatic Activation Manager at MGOMD. Thanks for joining us, Lee. Hi, how's it going? So let's get straight into it then. In a nutshell, what is Programmatic Guaranteed? Okay, so PG or Programmatic Guaranteed is when we work directly with publishers. And we then um, have a conversation with them and come up with an impression count that we want to deliver. This can be delivered um, just on a DSP, on a platform that we use to purchase the media, And we can then um, do stuff like we can frequency cap across the board. Mm -hmm. So we can say, okay, we want to commit to X amount of impression count. This will be done um, in conjunction with the targeting we have already Mm -hmm. and with all the brand safety restrictions we have already. And is it the same as PMPs? No, because you're not really bidding for anything. Um, It's an upfront agreement um, with the publisher. You're not bidding for anything. So if you have a really competitive time of year, like Mm -hmm. the Black Fridays or the Christmases, Um, and you're struggling for delivery, this is a really good way um, to ensure that. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, Lee. Um, If you want to know more about any of the topics we talk about in this part of the podcast, visit the dedicated Jargon Buster on our site by going to ibuk.com forward slash Jargon Buster. Two weeks ago, the IAB decamped to St Albans and the opulent surroundings of Sopwell House for our fourth annual Leadership Summit. It's a two-day residential conference where leaders from all across the industry talk together about issues in digital advertising like brand safety and transparency, but also discuss and debate topics like mental health, work culture, Brexit and diversity. Here with me to look back on this year's summit is the voice of Nomference, Lucy Harrington, and George Hopkinson, the IAB's connoisseur of research. <laughs> Welcome to you both. Thank you, Thank you James. Strong intro on the uh, on the podcast this week. Uh, Lucy, we should start with you then. Yeah. Uh, Leadership Summit, a couple of weeks ago. Um, highlights for you? Oh, where do you start when you have such a great lineup of of speakers and topics? I think I would have to go with Raveline from Bing. Yeah, she was great. She had a really... Um, great topic she actually started with a workshop so she was getting people involved and she was asking them when you were a child what was your favorite game your favorite game yeah so mine was swing ball which yes. i thought was really great i thought it would have been a really good game really inclusive and then you realize actually it's not mm. very inclusive so you then have to think about those with a disability might have not felt comfortable or they might have not been able to play the game mm. and then that obviously started from there and then it was inclusion within marketing within design she showed that amazing video from the super bowl Ah, oh, yes, the um, the Xbox controller. Really great, absolutely. Yeah. There were uh, it was very inspirational. Not many dry eyes in yeah. the in the house of that one. But and then she showed the Tommy Hilfiger yes marketing, which was really great. And it showed you the shirts that no longer had buttons, and it was like a magnetic strip. Yeah. So it's easier for those who had maybe 
broken arm or lost an appendage. And it really got you thinking about, you know, just from a product point of view, when you're designing stuff, actually, if you start a different place, you probably end up where you don't usually yeah. end up. Yeah, she was great. Um, for you, George, then, I mean, Rav was amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, anyone else you thought was very good? Uh, so I'm, I'm a bit of a politics nerd. So mm. I thought Lord Daniel Finkelstein yes. was uh, was really interesting as well. Obviously a very uh, kind of a, yeah, a timely session to talk yeah. about politics in the UK. Um, and of course so, we've yeah. done Brexit with Conrad and Christie early on here. So I mean you can't get away from it. Uh, but he was no. he was really good. And very entertaining as well. Yeah, he was a good. good speaker. Yeah. He's, he's done a few speaking bits before I I would have thought. Yes. yes. You certainly <laughs> got that impression. One or two. Yeah, yes. uh, and you also is. ran a town hall. So tell us a bit about that. That's right, yes. Yeah. So um, as part of the Leadership Summit, it's obviously it's really, really useful to understand all of the, uh, uh, I, I suppose, the gripes that people might have in mm. the industry. Uh, so uh, the town halls are a really, really lovely opportunity to to allow people to air some of the dirty laundry, tell us what uh, they, they love about the industry, but also what they hate about the industry. Yep. And then we can come together collectively, uh, hopefully as an industry, and, and really help make some progress and solve some of the challenges yeah. um, that, uh, yeah, that, that we're all facing. So, uh, so it was fantastically useful and, and really interesting session to, yeah. to achieve some of that and there's a bunch of stuff that's come i mean the gold standard has got its origins in leadership summit yeah uh, the diversity group that we created came out of last year so uh, they are very actionable things oh, it's ab- not just a case of sitting and ab- listening absolutely yeah they're hugely influential for yeah for how we how we work out what yeah. we're going to do as, as an organization so yeah amazing so leadership summit down lou and then the next is digital britain so our annual pilgrimage to manchester yeah, thursday the 4th of april coming up bridgewater hall and your first one it is my first one. I'm really excited. I hear so much. I hear great things about the North. I've never been to Manchester myself, so that's, to Manchester? Really, that's really disappointing, that's isn't it? Good. I mean, you're going to have an honestly, incredible time. Honestly, no, I'm really excited. We've just announced three brands today. So we've got Mind, Aviva and Mondelez. Brilliant. Um, really exciting lineup. So I think it's going to be a great one. And the tickets are flying off the shelf. We've still got some. Yeah. Don't want to write that off. Um, but it's half price for members, so... Why not? Exactly. And uh, and, and a trip to Manchester. Um and uh, any salacious gossip that you can add to the podcast? This is the section of the podcast where we, you know, talk Don't about what's anything, happening in the industry. No. From the IAB. Confidentiality. Well, anywhere. That isn't involving Lucy. It's hard to think of anything <gasps> that doesn't involve Lucy. And, okay, okay, and I'm, I'm signing out on that. No, <laughs> and that's incredible. Really. I mean, we could go on and on, but that's all we've got time for. So you've been, you've slightly been saved by the vow there, Lucy, but we'll have to have you back where we can talk about more. And this is the last time I'll be on the podcast. Thank <laughs> you. Um, thank you so much, Lucy. Thank you, George. Thank, thank you. James. One day in February 2010, 1,200 students, staff and faculty at Canada's University of Alberta got together hoping to play the world's biggest game of dodgeball. And they broke the world record. What we're saying is 1,200 is a big number. So at the IAB, we are very proud to have over 1,200 member organisations. And every episode, we pick one at random and ask them to nominate someone to take on our fiendishly unchallenging 10 quickfire questions about work, life and their Uber rating in 60 seconds. This time, we were lucky enough to get a guest star from Microsoft. We caught up with Ravleen Beeston, Microsoft's head of sales, at the bustling speakers lounge at Adweek Europe. Uh, so we've made it into the VIP Speaker Lounge at Pitch House Centre. I'm here with none other than Raveline Beeston from Microsoft. Hi, Rav. Hi, James. How uh, are you? I'm all right. How's it been so far? It's been, I have to say, I've not been to, I've only been to one session so okay. far, which is about voice experiences, but I'm loving the setup, and as always, it's brilliant seeing people. Superb. It's very straightforward. It's 10 questions. You get 60 seconds to answer them. Are you ready? 
I am, but as I always, <laughs> I already told you, I'm a bit of a talker, so 60 seconds scares me, but let's do it. Let's do it, James. Start the clock. Tell us something you've borrowed from someone but never given back. Uh, nothing. Because when I was a child, my mum said to me, if you ever take anything that isn't rightfully yours, the universe finds a way to take double that away from you. And in fact, I know, I know, my mother's awful. Um, but it left such a mark on me that I'm really meticulous and a bit neurotic about, even if someone lends me a pound, making sure I give it back, or if someone, like, I borrow something from someone, it stays on my mind until I give it back. So I would highly doubt that I had, and I thought about this really hard, by the way. That's good. Perfect. Good way to be. Uh, how many times have you met Satya? Seen him speak a number of times, but in a really intimate setting, twice. The best bit of corporate swag you've ever been given? Nothing in my memory, actually. And often, I'm the one that people look to for swag. Right, got it. <laughs> Come to around if you want swag. Uh, who's your industry hero? Karen Blackett. She comes up, that's the second time on the podcast, she's brilliant. Uh, in what format do you keep your to-do list? OneNote on my phone, it syncs to the OneNote on my PC, it's amazing. Of course. Uh, what's the last thing you liked on social media? A minister from New Zealand who tweeted saying that they would be banning semi-automatics in New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, aside from Bing, how many other search engines, old and new, can you name? Ask Jeeves is probably the first one I remember ever using. Google, of course. Yahoo. I think that's about it. Very good. Uh, what are you reading at the moment? Oh, Becoming by Michelle Obama. Okay. Uh, the thin pancake made from flour, milk and eggs served hot or cold, crepe or crepe? Crepe and hot. Okay. Uh, and what's a classic Raveline Beeston interview question? What do you find most fulfilling in your current job? Wow. Big. And that's it. That's the ten questions. Wow. Thanks, that was Rav. quick. That was really good. Thank you. James. Thanks to Raveline there. And just in the interest of absolute transparency, which we love at the IAB, the current world record for the most number of people playing dodgeball at once is 6,084. Are we hinting to our members they should give it a go? Possibly. And that brings us to the end of episode three. A big thank you to our series sponsor, Verizon Media, and thank you for listening. We hope it's been a productive 20 minutes, even if all you've learned is that Raveline never borrows anything. And if you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe and don't forget to tick five stars when rating us. Thank you very much. And of course, sharing is caring. So if you know someone who you think would like the pod but isn't a listener, well, you know what to do. We'll be back in two weeks with a set menu consisting of a deconstructed complex issue starter, hearty main course of creativity, followed by a generous dollop of irreverent questioning put to one of our many members for dessert. And as ever... If you want more information on what the IAB does and how you can get in touch with us, find us online at iabuk.com or at iabuk on Twitter and Instagram. And let us know what you think about the podcast by emailing podcast at iabuk.com. Thanks for listening. The IAB Podcast, sponsored by Verizon Media.